namo tassa bhagavato arahato sammasambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato sammasambuddhassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato sambuddhassa We were talking about seven supportive factors, okay? Seven factors that support to the progress of Satipatthana Vipassana meditation. We have discussed five of them. Last week was ahara, okay, nutriment or food. And today number six is called sapaya utu, sapaya suitability. Utu is climate. These are the factors that helps you, okay, that helps you that support you so that your meditation could progress farther, deeper, and better. You may or may not have everything, okay? all the requirements in your meditation under a certain set of situation. Some you may have it, some you may not have it. But beforehand, if you have a choice, if you can arrange it, you can arrange in such a way some of these factors are there. So this one is Udu climate, okay, basically temperature, pressure and humidity. This also helps you because some of you have already went to tropical country and practice at about 30 degrees centigrade. Okay. And you know how it promotes your meditation. And when you meditate in a cooler, okay, under a cooler temperature or climate, okay, you have a stronger stamina and con more conducive. So if it is too hot, it's not good either. And at the same time, if it is too cold, your effort, your body, kaika, variya, is trying to fight off that cold, protect that cold. So in other words, you were struggling, you have a lot of uh, effort goes into it, so you have uh, less effort for meditation. And when you have to master quite a bit of effort in the physical sense, the mental also become agitated. So if it is too hot, it's not good. If it is too cold, it's not good. Temperate, <coughs> temperate climate, temperate temperature is very good for your meditation. You can sit longer without much sweat or stickiness. You can meditate longer without trying to generate more heat and energy from your body to protect the cold. And all your effort will be applied to the meditation. And as you don't have much to you don't have to spare much to the physical effort. Okay. Then your mind does not become agitated or irritated. And there's a balance a strike between the physical effort and mental effort. For this reason, one can meditate better. Okay. It promotes 
better meditation, deeper meditation. So those are the things, if you have a choice to choose, whether you are going to meditate in, um, let's see, Thailand or Malaysia or Indonesia or Burma. Okay. You know it is a hot country, so you can choose what kind of months it's better to go. That's one factor. And also, if you go there, if you have a choice, okay, go to the higher elevation instead of sea level, lower level, go to about 3,000 feet, 4,000 feet areas. So those are the things you make a choice, of course. You can choose these things. Of course, you may be able to choose that kind of center, but that center may not have a, a teacher who can teach you in English, then there's another factor. So there are so many things involved. Or you might go to India, to the base of Himalaya, but if you go in winter, you might be struggling for it, especially the heating system over there is not as good as here. So these are the little factors that support your meditation progress. And if you can choose it, you can wisely choose it. <coughs> That's called Sapaya Utu, okay, suitability on climate. And the last one, the last one is called Sapaya Ariyapatana. So simply put suitability on the postures. Okay, we all know there are four kinds of posture we can maintain. Okay, sitting posture, standing posture, walking posture, and lying down posture. And our meditation, we can meditate in any type of posture that we choose. But in here, especially for people who are beginners, people who are starting, who cannot really maintain a good concentration. Okay. For those people, lying down posture is not recommended. Okay. Lying down posture is when one is sick, then that is suitable. And one when become quite old and can't maintain much of the other posture, they can also use it. And that is most suitable for those people. And even that, okay, you must have a very strong mental okay, determination. You have to have a strong determination. No? This is the posture that is only available. This is the posture that I can maintain for about 90% 90% or plus 90% of all other posture. I have no choice and I am going to learn how to meditate in this posture because you can easily fall asleep. You can easily fall asleep. You don't have much, okay, kayika effort, physical effort. As you don't have physical effort, you don't have to maintain the, the body, okay, to maintain the body posture. Once you lie down, there's no, not much animal necessary for physical effort. As you don't have physical effort and you feel quite comfortable, okay, you can easily fall asleep. And automatically, as you are not exerting a certain degree of physical okay, effort to maintain the body, the mind also slow down, slack, and dozy quite easily happen. And at that time, the biggest, okay, the biggest support you can have or the best thing you can do is the determination. 
determination or you have a resolve. You must be really resolved. You wanted so much okay, to be with this meditation. You wanted so much this, the true nature of Dharma. I am going to do it. That resolve can make you overcome this laziness, sleepiness, and falling asleep. So that posture, those are the only time that is suitable while you are quite sick, or even though you might be young, but if you have injury, back injury, and so on, and uh, when you get really old, then you have no other alternative but to deal in this posture. And your determination is the key thing that will take you over the hump. So, in other words, you have three more postures. One that is sitting, one is walking, and one is standing. Okay? And here we already know sitting down posture. And sitting down posture is quite balanced because you are sitting down, so you have to have the back straight, neck straight, okay, eyes closed, and the body still. To be able to keep in that position, you are exercising a certain degree of physical effort. If you don't put the physical effort, you won't be able to maintain. You might become hunched, lean forward, lean backward, or some people you can even see them lean sideways. These kind of postures which are not quite conducive for meditation, you can change and do those things. So to be able to maintain in this posture, you need a, a certain degree of physical effort. Okay, physical effort. Because if you don't have that physical effort, automatically you lean, hunch, sweat, rock. Sometimes you're meditating and some people might be reporting, oh, my body is rocking. My body is rocking. Okay? And of course, when the body is rocking, what you do is, first and foremost, you become, you have to be very mindful of that rocking process. And if you become quite aware of the rocking process or swaying process, swaying or rocking, and that will stop and you can carry on. That is one thing. And there might be more report, no, I try to be mindful, but still rocking still rocking, and when you are still rocking, I cannot maintain it, okay? I tried it, suddenly it stopped, and suddenly it goes, suddenly it stopped, and it's go. So for those yogi, you need uh, one step farther. What is that one step is? Uh, you have to know the theoretical aspect, or in other words, causal relationship, cause and effect. Okay. That one you need to understand. But some people don't, they don't know. Not only that, especially in Burma, a certain meditation type, okay, the more you do, they think, the more you are in a state of meditation. You can even see like this. And especially too, like uh, this is just to put, I'm going to put more and more little information step outside it so that you have a better understanding when you see others, when you how to deal with these things and how you correct other people. And when people are chanting, okay, there are some methods, they do a lot of chanting. When they are chanting, you know, the body just swayed like this. Okay, they think that in the rhythm they got into it, that is the way. But whatever they believe, that is what it is. Uh, no need to say this or that. But if some of those people who have done a lot of chanting work and stuff like that, they come and meditate and automatically 
that rhythm could come in. So first of all is be mindful and you might be able to stop it. If you don't stop it, the next one is you have to know the, the reason of it, the cause and effect. It's very simple for a Vipassana meditator. Okay. Whatever is happening, there is a cause. Okay. That's the first step. Nothing happens without a cause. Nothing happens without a cause. Whatever happening, there's a cause. Okay, let's see right here. I want to take the blanket open that the hand goes. I want to close it, it closes. Only when there's an intention to do, it happens. Of course, this one is very obvious, we are observing. Okay. The same principle applies with these rocking or swaying. It's rocking. You can't stop it, you can't observe it, then you know. This body is not rocking by itself. This body is rocking not because some diva or dewar is putting you into a trance or this or that. This body is rocking this way because there is an intention to rock. You are not aware of that intention because you have been conditioned from the various aspects of it. It goes in, but there is a definitely there's an intention to rock or sway. Because of that intention, it rocks and it sway. So, first of all, understand that causal relationship. Hmm. So, what happened? The next one is sterner effect. After you understand that relationship, why it rocks. Hmm? No, I'm not going to rock. I'm not going to sway, that kind of a thing. Of course, talking to yourself. In other words, you are making a determination as well. The first one is you are simply making a observation, mindful, okay? Rocking, mindful. It stop, it stop, it stop, it stop. And when it doesn't, you can't control it. Now you know why it rocks, and you just try to stop that cause. No, I've decided not to rock. I'm not going to sway, I'm not going to rock. And then go, and then that rocking or swaying will disappear. Okay? These are the little things. When you understand it, it is very easy when you understand the reason. But first and foremost is in this meant that everything is be mindful, be mindful, observe, observe, observe. Most of the things will be totally remedied by the deep observation. If not, these little things can be done this way. So this is the kaiga effort. Okay? When you are maintaining like that, the body is maintained, and then the rest is the mind. The mind have to put the effort. The mind effort is what? Observing everything that is arising at the moment. Okay? So we just use the primary object for communication. Rising, falling, rising, falling. And the mind is okay, always directing and applying to the event that is happening at the moment. The mind doesn't automatically go there. You have to keep on applying. You have to keep on applying. Applying or directing the mind to the object at the moment. You have to keep on doing. That is the Siddhisika, okay? Mental effort. Mental effort. You are applying, you are applying, you are applying. What do you pray? or directing the mind, directing the mind to the object that is arising at the moment, to the object, the most prominent object that is arising at the 
movement, which is the rising movement. The mind automatically doesn't go there. You have to keep on applying at moment after moment after moment. That is what it is. So that is the mental effort. Physical man effort and mental effort. When they are in sync, when they are in balance, you go really deep into the concentration level. When they are not in balance, you still have simply awareness. Not full awareness, but good, very good awareness, but not deep. When that awareness becomes quite deep, concentration develops and concentration goes deeper. Only when the concentration goes deeper than you, become aware of its true nature. So that is what it is, applying both physical effort and mental effort. And the body is still, no twitching, nothing, and you can meditate. So as you all have done, you know at what capacity, at what level, you can meditate on a sitting posture. The other one is walking meditation. So we don't have to go too much into the procedure, only for salient point I might touch here and there. So in here, the body, okay, as a standing up and always moving, lifting, pushing, dropping, lifting, pushing, dropping. So in here, there's a lot more physical effort is involved there. As you get physical in effort a lot more involved to maintain that, not to tape, not to sway, not to trip or disbalance. Okay, you have to maintain more. And with that kind of an effort, you have to have the, a certain level of mental effort has to be there. The mental effort you apply in the sitting and mental effort you apply in a walking meditation are not the same degree. They have to be in balance and in balance and in balance. So whenever there is a balance between the physical bodily movement and your mental application of the mind to these movements are in sync. That's why. How can you get in sync? You have to find yourself, whether you are going to observe three segments of a step, or five segments of a step, or uh, two intentions and five move physical movement, or five intentions and five inter-movement. These are the ones you have to find yourself. And at one point, at one combination of these things, you'll find everything flows very nicely. Everything flows nicely. At that moment, okay, everything flows nicely, which means your physical effort and mental effort are in a state of balance. That is something you have to find yourself. Everybody is different. Okay? That's why it is not necessary to put all six physical movement and all intentions in front of it. Oh, I can put everything. Oh, I've really done good. That's not the case. It is not necessarily how many or what combination. It is whatever you try to put. Try and experiment it, adjust it, experiment it, adjust it. And then when everything goes smoothly, that is the time when this Kayika Variya and Chitasika Variya are in balance. And that is the combination of the program it is works for you. Most of the time, of course, always you start with a small one because whether you are studying or whether you are near the end or everything is changing because conditions change and change and change and change all the time. Your environment is changing. There are voices, there are people, there's a cold, there's a hot, or there's a light. Every little thing, these are coming. And with those things, you'll find to adjust it accordingly. 
but in general you will find a certain set a certain set of combination of physical movements and intentions it gives you a great okay undisturbed momentum and a concentration that's how one needs to find for himself and you will get that and also standing posture standing posture is we don't really do for a long time we don't really do for a long time but sometime there's a, if you are going for a long four five six months retreat and so on then you might like to do a standing posture but in general it doesn't yeah? it doesn't promote much to it because it is standing there and then you are observing that stiffness erectness and uprightness so it is a little more difficult to get a deeper concentration so what i'm trying to say is you practice all this posture and only you can research yourself do you find more okay a better concentration and a sitting meditation or do you find a better concentration and a walking meditation you have to research yourself experiment yourself and when you find you find it oh i can get better concentration and walking meditation okay before we always give you one hour one hour one hour one hour alternate but now you are in a three months retreat okay at the beginning always start with one 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 hour one hour but later okay what you do is if you find better concentration and walking meditation go for one and a half hour sit for one hour go for one and a half hour sit for one hour go for two hours sit one hour but one whenever you do one it's best to keep at least about one hour okay let's say you are sitting meditation is better for me sit for two hours but walk one hour okay in that way not only that it is there it is also con- promotes the health of your body you are not all the time sitting and you are not all the time working it promotes your physical health too so this is how you find which one is good for you and meditate but don't think that all the time it will be like this condition changing one time let's say the first month you might find it walking meditation is great and suddenly it switch it's not as good and then sitting meditation become and the second month you might be sitting longer don't think that whatever you are experience will be constant and never changing it always change but your job is to figure out which one is more conducive for a deeper meditation and at that moment you can switch and change adjust around and you keep on doing the key thing is which posture give you a deeper meditation at a certain period of time or a certain span of time look at it and you meditate and that's how one can get into deeper concentration so that is called ariya patana suitability so that's seven so all those seven are supported factors you don't have to have all okay or you are so lucky that you might have all seven of them or sometime you might have a good accommodation okay a good monastery a good location quiet and so on sometime you may have a good food and so on and so forth but regardless these are the things before you start especially a longer longer term retreat if you have a choice okay try and make sure that you are fulfilled of these seven of them or some of the seven that is conducive and supportive for your deeper meditation so know that these sevens are not 
going to make you or break you, but it is going to support you. So these are the seven factors, and in there last week we mentioned about, as we are talking about it, Matika Mata, okay, uh, the mother of the headman of the Matika village, Matika district, we talk about the story. And then she is supporting the 30 monks who were meditating for the rain retreat. And in there, we are talking, and the monks, okay, this soft monk, the 30 monks, uh, before they left, the Buddha gave them a meditation. The name of the meditation is called Samana, okay, Kamatana. Samana is monk. Tamatana, Kamatana is meditation, okay? Meditation for the monk, but in general. But what it is, is there are two types of meditation he gives. One is contemplating or reflecting or observing on the 32 parts of the body. And the second one is called Anicca Nupassana, okay? Observation on the nature of impermanence. These are the two. So the first one is this, you reflect on 32 parts of the body. Okay. In general, you can try and especially on a tradition basis, like in Burma, when you become a little, uh, little monk at the age of seven or eight or nine, the first time you go in, uh, the monk, um, the abbot will teach you, okay, meditate on it. In general, you just apply it, and you just go and do it, and you learn how to do it. And in there, their purpose is uh, these 32 parts. You begin to understand the body in 32 parts. So you've got a little more information and education, and you have to recite these by heart in Pali. Okay. Geta, Loma, Danda, and so on and so forth. So these learning process also apply and also learn to, uh, to see the body, okay? And the body is uh, not a, a single one solid thing, I. That is the idea. But when the Buddha or the uh, senior teacher give to the monks for serious practice, what they were, if uh, the teacher is, knows, or of course Buddha knows, what it is is there are some people some people are more attached to the form, okay? Some people are more attached to the form. When we say form, we can narrow down a lot. We are, what are we contemplating on? Our contemplating on our own body, okay? So we are attached to the form, in other words, we are attached to the body, okay? Your own body as well as other people's body, you're attached to the body. But if you want to be more, okay, uh, stripped down even deeper into it, stripped down deeper into it, okay, we, all of us have a various or level of various degree of libido, let's put it that way. Some people have a very strong libido, some people have very little libido. And that attachment to the body also is somewhat related to that libido. So when people have these kind of things, when you have a strong libido, when you have a very strong desire for sex, that means, what is sex? Sex is the, on the form, attachment to the form. Okay? That for those people, this meditation is giving. That's one of the meditation, of course. So there are 32 parts. What it is, as you are so attached to the form, you began to break down into 32 parts for meditative purpose. So first of all, how do they do? Okay, the first, let's say, four, the first group of four is head hair and the body hair, moustache, beard, and so on, and also teeth and nails. In other words, where there is no nerve endings, this is one group. Okay, there's no nerve ending. Head hair, body hair, and then T. 
teeth and nails. And then the next one will come down to directly right to the, the outer layer. What is the outer layer? Outer layer is the skin. Okay. After the skin, what it goes to? It goes to the flesh. Skin, flesh. And then after the flesh, what it goes to? Before it gets the bone, it is the tendon and ligaments, sinews. Okay. Tendon and ligaments. Tendons and ligaments are the thing that tied the flesh into the bones. So, skin, flesh, sinews, bones, and inside the bone, what? Bone marrows. So, one, two, three, four, five. From the outer surface right to the teeth, that's another one. And then it comes to major organs, another group. Okay? First of all, kidney, and then heart, lungs, spleens, okay? and uh, membranes. And that is one group, and so on. Okay, you can keep on. The next one is called intestine, intestine, upper intestine, lower intestine, undigested food, and after the food, it go into feces. And then the next one is a whole series of different liquidy process, liquids. They go into the group, and then finally it comes to the, the brains and the fats, and then finally the urine, the D2 parts. And these study to fat, you know what the reason is. And in here, if you like to pick it up, if you want to practice it, the best thing is you don't just know this name, okay? Know these things, and especially nowadays we have our uh, technology is there. In the computer, go and accurately look at these organs. You can see a very vivid picture, not drawing, the actual opening cut the real thing that are taking in pictures. Okay, keep it in your mind, deep into it. This is how the heart looks like. This is how the kidneys look like. This is how the bloods, this is how the sweat, this is how membrane is. You really look and really sink into your head. Okay. First of all, you must know exactly how they look like. Look like. And something how you can feel. And then when you meditate it, one at a time, hair, you meditate on the hair. The hair is not just hair, hair, hair. You see, in here, this is the concentration meditation, samatha meditation. Some of the reflectiveness can happen. Okay, the hair on my hair, or just hair, that suddenly it is being shaved down. It falls down, and as soon as you go to the ground, how is it? In other words, repulsiveness, that it cannot be craved, it cannot be attached. That is the idea of it. So every part, you look at it and you see it and you feel a feeling of being detached or repulsiveness or disgust to that part of the body. And then you go to the next, you go to the next, you go to the next, and all 32 parts. It'll take a long time. You have to do one at a time and see it and feel it and experience it and eventually, you know, only the skin, as soon as your skin is cut open, everything is very repulsive, nothing is attractive. And when you meditate like that, automatically that person becomes more and more detached to the body. That craving and attachment to the body becomes less and less. And also people, especially with very strong sexual desire, their desire for this uh, uh, libido become less and less and less. Because these are the, especially for those people, that is the main, the main obstacle to past. So you really need to pass on to something that is, uh, that you really hold on quite tightly. So that is the... Uh, 32 parts. And this meditation, okay, it's a sabata meditation, but this type of meditation can give you as high as the first jhana. If you want second jhana, you cannot do with this meditation. Only for the first jhana you can do it. But regardless, 
you meditate and you attain the first jhana. Okay? First jhana means you are not just sticking in one. All these 32, one at a time, you can go through there and you are totally in it without being flipping away or wandering away. There's no wandering mind, but still the highest level is first jhana. When that person got into the first jhana, okay, then in here it goes to the next. For this group of 30 monks, they have to meditate that so that they attain first jhana. And then they go to the anicca nupasana. So first of all, they have to build up this med concentration power. When they build up this concentration power and when they have this first jhana level, then you don't go into the specific like this with reflection anymore. And then you observe the body. Okay, you observe the whole body. And how do they observe? Whatever that becomes prominent, most prominent, obvious at the present moment. That one you have to observe. You don't go and choose, I'm going to look at this or look at that. And before it is, uh, I'm looking at this part or that part. This time is, you have that very deep concentration of the first jhanic level. And then you just simply drop that observation of 32 and sense the body. And whatever arises in here, you observed. When you are observed at that present moment, whatever is object, but you already have the, that first jhanic level of concentration. So you can penetrate quite easily. So when you're observing like that, let's say, as we are practicing Satipatthana Vipassana, so let's use that as an example. Okay. Rising and falling and rising and falling. Rising. So you see the rising and you see the falling. But in here, the meditation name is called Anicca Nupasana. Okay? Observing on the impermanence. So the same thing. What are the seven or nine factors? The first of the nine factors we have been giving in there. The first of them, the nine factor is incline your mind towards the cessation of the object or the phenomenon at the present moment. That's it. And in here is simply, that's it. You meditate, 32 parts, build up to the first jhanic level, and now you observe the body, whatever is most prominent at the present moment. <coughs> but your mind has to be inclined okay, to the cessation of it. According to that. And in here is rising. Okay. Let's close our eye and just simply observe, okay? Actually, try it right now, okay? Rising, falling, rising, falling, rising, falling. And sense how much, okay? Try and know how much effort there is along with that observation, rising and falling. Okay, now keep that in one compartment. Now do the same thing. This rising, falling, but in here you have already decided you are going to put special effort to see the, the end of this rising movement and the end of the falling movement. Just only one. Rising and Falling end. Okay, let's try it. Rising, falling, rising, falling. And then know yourself how much effort you put in that observation. The two sets of observation one without inclining your mind to the cessation, another one, incline your mind to the cessation, you will see automatically you put a lot more effort, a lot more effort, a lot more care on the second set of observation. 
See, you don't have to. I'm going to increase my effort. No, it is just the technique, the direction. Okay, the technique, the direction, always is changing. First of all, is rising, falling, rising, falling. You know, there's a certain level of effort. Second one is rising and falling and rising and falling and with the mind giving a special attentiveness to see the end. Automatically effort arises. When there is an effort arises, what happens? Along with the effort, the focus becomes deeper, sharper, because you want to see the end. The focus becomes deeper and sharper. Because of that focus, that focus is the one how deep it takes into the level of concentration. The stronger the focus is, the deeper the concentration. The stronger the focus is, the deeper the concentration. So as soon as you incline your mind to the cessation, as soon as you decided, I'm not going to miss the end of this movement, your effort is automatically jumped up and your focus becomes very sharp and zoom right in. An example would be, let's say you are throwing a dart. Okay? When you are throwing a dart, what happened? If you ask a little kid to throw the dart, they would just pick up the dart and boom, and it might hit and might not hit. It's just flying, flying there, flying there, hit, up, and so on. It's just like rising, falling, rising, falling, rising, falling. And now, you see, got a little older kid. Okay, hold it, aim it over there. And then the bull's eye there and throw it. The same thing, you are still throwing the same thing, but in here the focus is so strong. The aim is so strong, okay? Everything changes. Your body tension changes. Your focus changes. The stillness of the body changes. And the mind, the eyes, on the bull's eyes is right there. And you just throw it, boom. And you, at that moment, you exactly know whether the, the pins drop in, sink in, and so on. All that it is, the effort increased, the aim increased. And you are quite aware of the destination, the bull's eye. In a meditation, that bull's eye is the ending. The ending of that one little observation. So imagine that you are throwing a dart and how you compose yourself to hit the bull's eye. The effort, the aim, the focus. And take that technique and apply it on your observation. Rising and falling and That's what it means by when you are observing. Observe it closely, intensely, penetratively, deeply. That's what it is. Of course, we described it in all these words. But now I try to give you an example for you to pull in and to apply on each observation how to do it. By doing so, you have increased your effort. You have increased your aim. And you have focus is very deep. And you are on the bull's eye the moment you see the end of it, the moment you touch the end. But it just doesn't happen automatically. In your mind, you already set a program. The program is to see the cessation of the object, to hit the bull's eye. That was the program, pre-program. That's what it means by incline your mind towards a cessation. So by doing so, now you will begin to perfect each observation, 
inclining your mind towards a cessation. You just do. All that you do was don't have to worry about anything. Just as a rising movement going on, it is just like following the dart in your hand until you released it. And then when the dart hit the bull's eye, that is the end of the rising. That is the ending, the end or cessation of the rising movement. Simply follow, incline your mind towards a cessation or to see the ending or Pali what is anicca, nupasana, the passing away, the ending is the termination of anything, dissolution of anything, whatever that is. That is called impermanence. That is called nicca. Nupasana is observation. Your observation, the impermanence nature of an event, of an object, of whatever condition at that present moment. That's it. That's called anicca nupasana. So if you observe like that, okay, first of all is rising and falling and rising and falling and and if you keep up that intensity of observation, okay, the key thing is intensity. So what is that intensity? To maintain that intensity you have to maintain or even increase your effort your effort in this process of observation. You maintain that, you increase your effort, you maintain that intensity, and you follow it very closely. You follow it very closely, you will see the cessation. And if you keep remaining, repeating the same thing with that kind of intensity, what you will find is automatically, you don't have to create it, you don't have to imagine it, before it is one rising movement and there's the end, one falling movement and there's the end. But if you maintain the proper technique and if you maintain the intensity and focus, and in that one rising moment and the end, you will see uh, two rising and, and three rising and three ends, full rising and full end. Okay? Before it's just like going boom. Now is in that boom, automatically that speed is the same, but your concentration power is higher. Automatically it seems like it slows down the time. The time actually didn't slow down. Your mind is so strong you see this boom, stop, boom, stop, boom, stop, boom, stop. And then of course, the other one. Boom, stop, boom, stop, boom, stop. So instead of one swoop movement, you might see two or three or four little segments. In other words, three segments mean there's a break between one segment and a time. So in other words, before you think it's a one movement, that one movement is composed of four little movements. One Big movement is composed of six little movements. As soon as you show six little segments, that means you are seeing the, seeing the, the end, the end, the end, the end of each little segment. Automatically, you begin to see the increasing amount of passing away, the increasing amount of ending at the same, for the same duration of time. Let's say before is one quarter of a second, you only see one passing away or one ending. And when your concentration becomes stronger, within that one quarter of a second, you see about five endings. That's it. You don't have to create it. You don't have to think it. All that you need is the maintain the intensity, maintain the closeness, and the focus is right on the cessation. You just incline cessation, not cessation of this or that, simply cessation. And the higher the concentration power, 
within the same duration of time, a quarter, second, you may see at first one ending, and slowly and slowly, ten endings, and then later, within that quarter second, you might see about thirty endings, but you cannot really count clearly after six, maybe sometimes seven. Up to about seven, you know, the mind likes to still like to control count. How many? One, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. Because at the beginning, you still like to see how many endings you are seeing. After about six or seven, you cannot count. It just goes like a and every that is the each passing away, each passing away. That's how you see. Okay. So, first of all is one ending, then a few endings, quite clearly up to about six endings, and then later, many endings in that short period. Short period is the, the time is constant. That's, that's just the time of a quarter of a second. That's how you see. And that is anicca nupasana. But you have to maintain that intensity. You have to keep that effort that you apply to not drop. Then you have to watch the object very closely. And then the focus is there, the mind inclining. In other words, your mind is programmed to see the sensation, cessation. And if that's the case, you will actually see that cessation. So that's how, the same thing with lifting, pushing, dropping. When you're lifting before it is, lifting, pushing, dropping. It's very tough not to see the, to see the ending, lifting, pushing, dropping. They all seems to be the same. The trick is, if your mind is inclined towards a cessation, how do we do? Okay, lifting. Don't try and look at the cessation of the lifting. Okay, don't try to see the end of the lifting. Observe the manner or the behavior of the movement, lifting movement. Okay, lifting the behavior, and then. See, let's do it this way. Lifting the manner of behavior of the movement. And then pushing. As soon as pushing comes, the manner changes. And then dropping, the manner changes. So when you're observing the lifting, pushing, dropping, don't try and see where is the cessation. Just observe the change of the behavior or manner of the movement. Okay. This, 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 this. That's all that you see. And then once you got into the ribbon, you will really sense the cessation of this, and then this, and then that. Okay. So, and here there's a lot of motion going on, so you cannot clearly see it. To be able to see clearly between the lifting and the pushing, simply observe the manner of the behavior. Boom, 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 boom. And the change of the manner is that that's the one where the cessation is. You can't really see it yet. So you simply observe the change of the manners or the behavior of the foot. And then you will slowly and slowly become more and more identifiable. And the same thing, at first it's just one cessation. And our walking meditation is to be as slow as possible. So become boom, 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 boom. You will see more and more of these things. So this is how one's practice anicca nupasana. But with this technique, samanat kamatana, Buddha gave them 
probably these monks need 32 parts meditation more than the other monks. So they give them, they have to get it to the jhanic level. That means concentration is very strong. When the concentration is strong, whatever they are observing, they have to incline their mind to see the cessation. So that is Anicca So these two are paired together for them, they even become arahat, of course, assuming that you have previous experience. So, may all of you be able to practice Satipatthana Vipassana meditation, inclining your mind towards the cessation of all phenomena of object at the present moment, and may you be able to see the true nature of impermanence as soon as possible. Sadhu, 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 buddham pujemi, dhammam pujemi, sangham pujemi,